Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's been a while. It's the Short Time Wrestling Podcast, episode 675. I'm your host, Hall of Fame Wrestling Writer, Broadcaster, and Announcer, Jason Bryant. Today, it's true, it's true, I'm going to be talking to Kurt Angle, 1995 World Champion, 96 Olympic Champion, and of course, WWE Professional Wrestling Superstar for the last two and a half decades. He actually has retired from professional wrestling, but uh, still active in the scene. He's got some businesses going on with physicallyfit.com. We'll talk about that in the interview portion of the program. It's been a while, couple months here in the studio, in the speakeasy with the Mad Talk Podcast Network after Fargo. Had to come home, had to shuttle around and get all sorts of PCR tests to be able to get on the plane to go to Tokyo. Was in Tokyo for two weeks, 13 actual days to be exact. I actually never did clear quarantine protocol. My extent of what I was allowed to do was my hotel, and I was allowed to walk 200 meters to the venue. Uh, there was not a whole lot else I could see. I, I had to order food in when I wasn't able to get food at the venue because uh, they cut it off at a certain time, and we were still wrestling later into the night. So Tokyo, I will actually go through and break down the Fargo-Tokyo thing. Tony Rotundo was there at both events. It was his first Fargo. It was his second Olympic game. So I've been meaning to have Tony on the show. We'll, we can recap those two experiences, but it's just been busy because we got to turn around, leaving for Oslo, Norway on September 29th for the World Championship. So, and, and when you're sitting there in my role as a PA announcer, there's a lot of research you have to do. And I have these spreadsheets and these Google Docs that I have created starting back at the 2015 World Championships. So 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. So this will be the seventh year that I've used a, a Google Doc, a spreadsheet to create a chart for my research and that research has i get the the, get the rosters from united world wrestling which uh, shout out to eric olanowski who has now assumed the role that uh, tim foley has since left tim is no longer with uww setting out on his own outside of the world of wrestling uh, best of luck to tim tim's a guy i've known since he was in high school so we go way back same with eric i've known eric since he was in middle school uh, i knew i knew the olanowski family quite well covered them in the first iteration of man talk online back in virginia and, uh, you know, Brother Johnny had some of the more exciting regional and state finals in his era, wrestling Brian LaShawn from Great Bridge. It was, it was, it was, man, those were some fun, fun times back in Virginia in terms of uh, everybody versus Great Bridge. But I digress. Eric has assumed the role 
as the media liaison, so to speak, for United World Wrestling. So I get the rosters from UWW. Then I go through, uh, I cross-check the names that I already have from the existing year. And then I go through the database. And if there's new information, new athletes, new data, uh, get the ages of the athletes. That way, it's good for the broadcasters because I share this with Sean Kenny. My co-announcer, Brian Hazard, also gets it. And then, of course, the folks at UWW get a copy of the sheet for quick reference. So I've created a chart that, at this point, the Olympics was 248 athletes. Not too terrible. Right now, it's over 750 athletes. Brian Hazard and I are researching to put into this sheet. So we have a quick reference of every athlete. Now, in that first name, last name, then there's a pronunciation guide. Today, I sent a voice message to Minga Batsuk or Mayan Ganbayar Batsuk. He was a three-time Division Three national champion at St. John's here in Minnesota, but he's from Mongolia. He has helped me with my Mongolian pronunciations since the dawn of time. I mean, going back to Turtogto. Lusendorch from the Citadel. So, and even him and his his teammate Mogi Batar. There, when I need Mongolian names, I'm I'm sending a voice message. I go, hey, here's what I have to read, and then I'll read it to him, and he'll be hey, whether they say it's good or bad. And I tell you what, with the Mongolian alphabet, you will look at things and in, in how the Westernized language has and the Cyril, uh, not the Cyrillic, the Latin alphabet looks at it, and you're like, there is no way. That is supposed to be said like that. That's why I go with the native speaker. So uh, when you hear me say Mongolian names and you see what they look like on the paper and they sound nothing alike, that's because I've got a native speaker helping me with that. So there's the pronunciation file. Then we go into the age. Then we have the date of birth, which I cross-reference with the athlete's competition date. So we also sort those by date so we don't have 700 names on a sheet. Why I do that is a couple years ago in Paris, I was like, I wonder if anybody's got a birthday that we're competing. Sure enough, there was a Korean wrestler whose birthday was on the day of competition. So it's it's a little, it's a one announcement. It's not like we're singing happy birthday to the wrestler, but it's a point to bring, oh, there's a victory and there's a happy birthday win. Something like, I mean, it's just a little thing you add. And then uh, what I've also done is I've added since the previous year, instead of adding to the same cell, I'll just add a cell or a column that says what they did. So in this case, the last time I used the sheet was 2019. So I don't have 2019's results in that sheet. So I'll take the names and I'll create the 2019 World Championships and Junior Worlds and U23s and then anything beyond that. So in this case, we didn't have 2020 much of anything. We had 2021 Junior Worlds and such. So I've got a 19, 20, and 21 column. So that tells us the most recent thing. So you see WC-B-19 means they were a bronze medalist at the World Championships in 2019. JW-7-B-19. 21 means they were seventh at the junior worlds this past year. That's what I've gotten. And it, and it goes back. I mean, there are some athletes that you're going back to 03 and 04 in terms of their, their performances at the, at the junior worlds. There was no cadet worlds until, uh, well, there was, and then there wasn't for a decade and then they brought them back. So that is a lot of research in the UWW database, which is, it really is the lifeblood of international wrestling when you talk about what we need to know about this stuff. I mean, there's, you know, Harmut Sander and has been did that by himself forever. Most people called it the Foldeek database because it was sponsored by them for a while until UWW took it over. But all that is in a sheet that Brian and I share, and that's a lot of research. I mean, it took me, it took me a good four days of hard, straight grinding on a spreadsheet to look this up. I've got the dual screens going. I've got Alt-Tab, which is... Uh, and then I've also had issues with the mouse. I mean, I, I'm a Mac head. I'm an, I'm, an, I'm an Apple guy. Say what you want about privacy, whatever. They, they just work for me. Um, 
this particular machine's had a, had a couple dicey things with it. I've had to take it in to get service twice, which I never had to do. Had a laptop die on me in Tokyo. Uh, the screen did. The, the computer still works, but I'd take that into the Apple store. And the Genius Bar goes, wow, uh, this thing is vintage. Yeah, it's pretty bad when you're still using a computer that's vintage. And my, my 2013 MacBook Pro did serve me well for eight years and uh, I'd never had a laptop last that long until I got Macs. I've, I've had three Macs in my life. Now I have four because the uh, the new MacBook Air is... Uh, I'm getting into the weeds with stuff. But that's, that's just a lot of the stuff that's been on the plate. Uh, my youngest daughter has started kindergarten. My oldest daughter is now in fourth grade. So now we've got two girls to get on the bus in the morning, two lunches to make. And then my wife has recently uh, shifted her employment. So now we're both working at home full time, which means that she's going to hear a lot of everything I'm saying on these short-time wrestling podcasts down the hall in our basement. So um, I just might have to keep the speakeasy doors shut so I can uh, I can get a, a, a an Abby reference in here and there. But when we keep moving on, as I'm rambling on, ca- i got a lot to catch up on before we get to Kurt Angle. I want to thank Jeff Waters. He has been a patron for a number of years, actually, but he has just bumped up his patronage to the Olympian level, which means... He gets to co-host a show or suggest a show, and we'll be talking about things with him in the future weeks about the Living the Dream Metal Fund, as he's going to be one of the stewards for that. We also have Jeremy Wyman. Thank you for buying me a coffee. Same with Larry and Sandy Slater. And what? Wait, what do you mean? Buy me a coffee? Well, if you're familiar with any of the content creation channels, whether they be uh, you know on Patreon, we've got rock people. You know, obviously in wrestling, have Rockfin channels. Uh, you know, there's there's Twitch streamers and such. There are a lot of ways you can contribute to the content creator. And since, again, I work for myself, therefore I have had basically gone from, I don't really like to say I am a content creator unless we're in this type of, of situation, but I'm still a journalist. I'm still a broadcaster. I'm still an announcer. Uh, a lot of my journalistic efforts are here and there. So you're not seeing me as a reporter hardly anymore because it's just my career has shifted to the point of being more of a historian, an archivist, um, a narration of of sorts. I even I, I kind of just jokingly say wrestling's a soundtrack because it, it's it's hard not to hear me at events, whether it be on the PA or on a broadcast. But that being said, to contribute, you can go to mattalkonline.com slash contribute. And there are a couple ways to do that. There's Venmo, there's PayPal, and of course there's Patreon. Buy Me a Coffee is one that I know a lot of podcasters use. So you go to mattalkonline.com slash contribute. There are a couple different ways that you can support this program, support the network, keep things going strong. I eventually want to get to the point where I don't have some of these dynamically inserted ads. But, hey, you know what's a perk? If you are a Patreon subscriber, you will get ad-free shows. And I know um, my colleague in podcasting, Conrad Thompson, on the professional wrestling side, has a whole website. It's called Ad-Free Shows, where all his pro wrestling stuff goes without all the all the ad reads and stuff. Well, you don't get the dynamically inserted ads. You usually get the show early. So right now, this episode, save this intro that I'm doing right now. The Kurt Angle interview is actually up and raw and posted. I, I didn't even edit. It's like, okay, patrons, you got Kurt Angle right after I got it done. So uh, as I put this out, it'll be about 24-hour advance on that. And then uh, you know, if you're on Rockfin, you're not going to get the the ad free versions of the show either. So uh, you're going to get an ad free version rather. So uh, that's how you can contribute. Those are your perks. Also, Compound dropped in its shirt drop for me, which some of you saw. I've got the the Olympic themed motif this year. So um, here's the perks. If you're a Rockfin subscriber at uh, Matt Talk, you go to Rockfin.com/slash/MattTalkOnline. You get the content, the extra content from everybody on the network. That's kind of your perk. If you're a Patreon 
contributor. You get the shirts, the glasses, the the, the digital preview guides, etc. That type of thing. So there's two different value models out there for for what you're kind of into. Now, last thing I want to talk about is kind of pitching what's coming up on the network. Lloyd Kieser was the first African-American world champion for the United States in 1973. The Hall of Fame's Etched in Stone series will be releasing a three-part series on Lloyd Kieser, a.k.a. Butch Kieser. I narrated that. I also produced it while Mike Finn of Win Magazine wrote it. We are looking really forward to announcing this. If you're actually a Patreon subscriber, you've actually gotten some of the raw draft episodes. So you've gotten an advance knowledge of what's going on. So keep an eye on that. That's going to come out hopefully on September 30th, International Podcast Day. And finally, my last call to action for International Podcast Day is if you are a wrestling podcaster, I want you to put out an episode in your feed. Just do an episode for International Podcast Day on or before September 30th and talk about your origin story in podcasting, why you're doing a wrestling podcast, who you are, what what makes you want to do a podcast. It's 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 not a judgment thing. It's just, hey, there's a lot of people out there that are still finding new wrestling podcasts. I try to keep up with all of them. I try to listen to as many as I can. Then there's still new shows that are popping up. So if you've got a wrestling podcast, I want you to do a traditional show or just a simple mini episode. Say, hey, uh, this is Jason Bryant. I am the host of the Short Time Wrestling Podcast. I wrestled at Pocosin High School in, in Pocosin, Virginia. I wasn't very good. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Went to some school in Norfolk, announced wrestling, worked for the NWCA. You know, you could go on like a mini CV, so to speak, of why I mean, what builds into your, not necessarily your credentials on why you're qualified to talk about wrestling, because from a competitor standpoint, I am <laughs> technically and tactically not the guy you want to hear technique from. So just because I was a terrible wrestler, it doesn't mean, that shouldn't disqualify you as a, as an opportunity, having an opportunity rather to speak on the sport of wrestling. So uh, whether you're, you are a state champ, whether you're not, whether you just love the sport of wrestling and love to talk about it, I want to hear your origin story in the sport and your origin story about why you started a wrestling podcast. Send me the link of that episode. Uh, audio, just just nothing's different about doing your podcast. Just do a mini episode about that. Send me the link. I will put it on matttalkonline.com and promote the crap out of it for International Podcast Day. I'll do a specific page. And how do you get that link to me? Jason at matttalkonline.com or DM me on Twitter at Jason M. Bryant. So thrown a lot at you in the first 15 minutes of this episode. So many calls to action. I want to thank everybody out there for always spending your time with me because even though I haven't had a whole lot of time for it, you've always got time for a short time. And now... It's true. It's true. One of the guys that I first watched in my initial introduction to Olympic wrestling, Kurt Angle, here on the Showtime Wrestling Podcast. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And now our guest on the Short Time Wrestling Podcast, World and Olympic Champion, member of 16 Halls of Fame, including the National Wrestling Hall of Fame, where he was inducted as a distinguished member in 2001. It's true. It's damn true. Your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle. Kurt, welcome to the Short Time Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for having me on your podcast. 
So, uh, and you're 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 a seasoned podcaster these days now, working the uh, the Kurt Angle show with Conrad Thompson. What's that experience been like? It's it's been amazing. I, I really like it. I didn't know if I would. I wanted to start a podcast to tell my story and to interview interesting people uh, throughout uh, whatever whether whether it be sports or pro wrestling or acting. Um, you know, Hollywood, I, I, you know, doing this gave me a, a sense of purpose of what I'm going to do after I retire. So the podcasting is a perfect fit for me. And it seems like with, with you know, to kind of cross the, the aisle here from the, the world of college and Olympic wrestling over to the sports entertainment professional wrestling world, there's, you know, the, the curtain's been peeled back over the years. So it's not protecting the business as much as it used to be. And Conrad, his age group and my age group are very similar. So what he's going through his shows is what I grew up with. And when he's hosting the show with you, the Kurt Angle show, I'm sitting there going back, man, I remember sitting back watching beers going, Kurt Angle, Kurt Angle, Olympic champ, Olympic champ. So uh, it gives me a chance to mark out a little bit um, in terms terms of reliving my youth so uh you know it, it's funny that uh, everything now is you've got tony shivani you've got old jr you've bruce pritchard yourself all doing these great shows to to peel back the curtain but uh, what was it like getting into the professional wrestling industry as as somewhat of an outsider well i knew nothing about it um you know starting into it uh i just i was always told not to watch it that it was garbage um what i did was the real deal uh, my brothers always refrained me from watching it, so I never really got interested in pro wrestling. And when, w- when WWE approached me in 1996, I turned that offer down. Uh, it was a really good offer, a 10-year deal, multi-million dollar deal. And I turned it down because my agent at the time uh, was also a former amateur wrestler. And he said, you're not going to do that garbage we'll get you a sportscasting job. And and I did. I ended up being a sportscaster in Pittsburgh for a year. But uh, being retired from the Olympics, I realized I wasn't done being an athlete. And when I took that sports broadcasting job for a year, I wasn't so good at it. <laughs> so I knew that wasn't my future. And uh, I decided to get back into athletics and the, the best avenue for me because MMA at the time was very um, primitive, uh, not a lot of money in it. And pro wrestling was was, you know, popular as hell. So it was uh, it was an easy decision, and I called WWE in 1998 and told them that I was interested, and if that contract still stood, and they said no, but um, you can try out, and if you make it, we're going to give you a training contract, so you're going to start like everybody else. And you know what? I'm used to that. That's how my whole life has been. I always had to work for everything I have. So I was okay with it. When we look at your name's been popping up even more so again, I mean, you're, you're an Olympic champion. So, of course, your name gets mentioned quite frequently when we talk about the Olympics. But with Gable Steveson's foray uh, into the world of the Olympics and winning an Olympic gold in such dramatic fashion and his openness about wanting to be in, in sports entertainment, in professional wrestling, to be to be a WWE superstar, your your experience has now come back into people's minds. And, and I remember you going in as as a, you know, we weeding out of my professional wrestling fandom into my, my college and Olympic wrestling coverage that there was a, you know, you know, your agent and your brothers, that, that, that mentality seemed to really permeate the wrestling community. What do you remember about uh, the fans and what they were saying about, about your move into the WWF at the time uh, when that announcement became public? I didn't get a lot of blowback from them, you know, not as much as I thought, but by, by the time I did that, by the time I was going to sign with WWE, they already came out of the closet and said, listen, we're not real. We're sports entertainment. 
We're nothing like the real deal. Um, you know, we, our matches are, are pre-planned, predetermined, and uh, they 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 came out of the closet, and it made it a lot easier for me to do the same. And we look at the discussion now. I mean, with social media the way it is, everybody's got can can weigh in on it. And Gable has been uh, been pretty prolific on social about. Uh, what he wants to do, and you know, he's tagged you in some tweets like, ah, "I'm the next Kurt Angle." And so now, when he when he steps foot in the squared circle, he will you you can no longer say you're the only Olympic gold medalist in 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 professional wrestling. So, one, what's it like to see a guy like Gable come through the ranks, win Olympic gold, and then then kind of look at you? It's like I'm going to follow his path. I'm rooting him on. Uh, you know, I I'm a big fan of his because he won the Olympic gold medal for the United States of America. Um, I don't know how good of a pro wrestler he will be. I don't know his personality. I don't know what kind of character he's going to bring to the table. Probably, you know, the same thing as me, Olympic gold medalist with a little uh, touch of whatever it is that Vince McMahon, you know, lays on you. So, you know, I, but, but I'm, I'm rooting for him. Uh, you know, I, I was the only Olympic gold medalist in WWE history, and that's no longer true anymore. And uh, if this kid's going to make it, I want him to make it big. What's it take to develop that? I mean, I didn't know you personally prior to uh, to you going into the WWE, so I can't speak to your personality and what you were like off the mat, but how much of that uh, development of an outwardly outgoing type of mentality did you have to develop when creating the, you know, the milk character, the driving the milk truck, the, the goofy Kurt Angle that we saw on, on Raw quite frequently? You You have to forget everything you ever learned your whole life in amateur wrestling. Uh, you know, in amateur wrestling, for the most part, you're taught to show no emotion. You're not afraid of anybody. You're confident. You're, you, you, go, you go on the mat and you wrestle and you try to get the pinfall as quickly as possible or you try to outscore your opponent. In pro wrestling, it's a show. You have to show emotion. You have to show when you're angry, scared, um, nervous, uh, you know, whatever emotion it is, you have to, you have to amplify that to the fans. And, and when you're wrestling, you're not just doing moves. You're telling a story. There's psychology involved in pro wrestling. Uh, a basic psychology is the good guy versus the bad guy. The good guy else wrestles the bad guy. The bad guy cheats and gets the good guy down, gets heat on him, beats him up for a little bit. The good guy makes a comeback. They have the false finishes, and then they have the finish. Does the bad guy cheat and win, or does the good guy overcome the obstacles and win himself? So you have to forget everything you ever learned, even the move set and everything, because now you're going you're gonna to learn how to bump to your back. You go into your back quite a bit in pro wrestling. And in amateur wrestling, you're taught to never go to your back. So it was a, it was a really hard adjustment. I just forgot everything I ever learned and uh, took to it very quickly because I opened up my mind and uh, my body to uh, sports entertainment and, and let them teach me. I let the other wrestlers teach me. You know, when I started on TV, I wasn't ready yet. I, I was only trained for about six or seven months, and they put me on TV, and I still didn't know what I was doing. But I had the, the other wrestlers lead me through the matches, and that, that, that uh, made me learn a lot quicker uh, how, how to uh, learn psychology in professional wrestling and how to structure a match and do it right. One thing that has always been prevalent in professional wrestling is the presence of, of those with verifiable and, and, and bona fide college Olympic high school wrestling chops. I mean, we look at the roster right now. Uh, obviously, we know that 
uh, the, the guys making head. Otis Otis Dozovic is, is Nico Bogoyevich. I mean, he won Fargo in, in out of Wisconsin. We've got you know right. obviously coming through you, Brock Shelton Benjamin. I mean, Chad Gable is Chaz Betts. I saw Chaz and Nico. I, I call them by their real names. It's kind of hard for me not to because I covered them in high school. But <laughs> I see Chaz and Nico on a flight to Florida. I'm like, hey, I know you guys. And, you know, Chaz is you know is Chad Gable, and then of course the Jason Jordan angle. Nate Everhart wrestled in Indiana. There's a lot of guys that didn't wrestle in college that have legit wrestling chops and uh, how often do you encounter those people in your early early days in your career and how much did they maybe help you with that transition of not going to your back and learning how to take a bump and and slowing things down oh no not not when i started no there were no amateur wrestlers uh that that were training at the time i was pretty much the first one that kind of started back uh other than i think dan severn did it for a little bit um trying to think of anybody else iron Sheik, but he was you know he's been there forever um i think i was the first one before a slew of them came in i think that i actually opened up a door for a lot of the amateur wrestlers to have an avenue to have a different career yeah and that's that's another point i want to bring up because we go back in the day you talk with jerry briscoe and i you know i had a chance to talk to jr after the late dan hodge passed away and talked about leroy mcgurk in, in the territory days back back when and and of course, the Briscoes—they're legit wrestling champs. Leroy McGurk was a national champion at Oklahoma State. You know, we've got General Adnan Al KC was was an All American at Oklahoma State. You know, he was he was a legendary heel back in the seventies and 80s, 60s, 70s, and eighties. And it, it was like an era where a lot of amateurs came through the Dan Hodge era, and then there was a gap, right. and then there was after you. And now yeah. we're seeing you know Drew and Jacob Casper, the Creed brothers on NXT. I mean, it's it's like you know Briscoes really bridged that gap again, but. Uh, what's what's it mean for you to see people that I watched them at the NCAA championships or the Olympic trials, and now they're out there making a living doing the the sports entertainment professional wrestling thing? I think it's great for amateur wrestling. I think that it, it, it will open up the sport to become more popular because a lot of more amateur wrestlers are becoming pro wrestlers, getting into sports entertainment, and becoming bigger names. And the bigger names that you become, the more popular your sport gets. Did you feel like there was an immediate push of acknowledgement or respect? Did you see like there was an impact of, oh, these kids see Kurt Angle. Now I want to go learn how to wrestle. Because we hear stories all the time about, oh, when I joined wrestling, I thought it was the stuff with the ropes. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I, I have a lot of kids and I meet a lot of fans that say, you inspired me to become an amateur wrestler uh, because I watched you in WWE and I enjoyed your talents and thought you were uh talented as heck and it made me feel good and uh to know that i influenced others to go into amateur wrestling there's nothing better of a feeling than that we look at uh, gable's transition or when it's coming when we got the nil name image and likeness he's going to be competing for the gophers this year which i think is going to probably help draw huge crowds to the maturi pavilion where the gophers wrestle but um, you know, there's there's going to be another set, another generation of eyes coming back into professional wrestling post Attitude Era, which you know, be quite honest with you, a lot of people that didn't like pro wrestling to begin with will point to the Attitude Era as if it still exists. But uh, Gable's going to bring a different presence to college wrestling this year. What's it like to know that this is this is a guy that's made his you know intentions clear and he's back for another year to win an NCAA title? Hey, more power to him, man. I think that uh, he needs to be commended for that. He doesn't have to do that. He, you know, his career has been unbelievable. And, uh, the, you know, uh, w going back and winning another NCAA championship after you won the Olympics, that's very commendable. I, I have a lot of respect for him. 
And, and you know, he doesn't really have to do it, uh, but he's going to. He's going to honor his uh, promise and, and, and go do it. And, I, you know, it's almost like it's anticlimactic. You want a gold medal Olympics, you go back to the NCAAs. But that's why I respect that. I think that he wants to finish what he started. One thing about your career, you're a you know, multiple-time NCAA champion for Coach Bob Bubba Clarion. How hard was it to win that second title after winning that first one? Well, there's a lot of pressure on you. And, you know, I had a lot of injuries my senior year that uh, dehabilitated me and made me a little nervous about uh, the direction I was going. I only wrestled, I think, 26 matches my senior year. So it, w- it was a injury-driven year, and I had to uh, overcome those injuries and make sure I was healthy by the end of the year. And uh, it, it was a lot harder than my first one, definitely. When we look at the, the world of wrestling now, how much do you try to keep up with, with college and Olympic wrestling? I, I keep up on it. I, you know, I watch it when I can. Uh, I follow it on social media. Um, you know, I was really shocked to see Jordan Burroughs get knocked out of the Olympics. But, you know, Kyle Bake is a, just as good of a wrestler as Jordan. So, uh, you know, it, it, I've always uh, kept in touch with people in amateur wrestling, and uh, uh, I've always followed it, uh, especially my college, Clarion, who has been doing that well as of late, but uh, hopefully they'll bounce back. I don't know. There's a Clarion guy on the podium out there also. I mean, Bekzad Abdurakmanov, uh, he won a bronze medal at the Olympics. So Clarion was on the podium out there in Tokyo. Uh, yes, yes. He did a great job. I was very proud of him. Of course, that was for Uzbekistan. So, uh, I mean, maybe a little, little, little bit of different, <laughs> yeah. different feeling there. But hey, you know, Golden Eagles. It wasn't represented the USA. <laughs> <laughs> now, when we we look at what things, Kurt Angle, you're talking about doing your your podcast after retirement. You're also getting into a line of, of snacks and such. Physicallyfit.com. You've heard it if you're listening to yeah. uh, Conrad Thompson shows. Talk us to us a little bit about what physicallyfit.com is and what what type of snacks we've got there. Physicallyfit.com is a supplement company that I started about a year and a half ago. And we sell a product called Chicken Snacks. Uh, they're they're um, engineered from real chicken breast, and they're they're engineered into little crispy bites, kind of like Chex Mix. And we flavored them with uh, barbecue, a sriracha, um, you know, sour cream and onion, cinnamon swirl, uh, eleven different flavors, and they're incredible. We have nothing but four and a half five star reviews from them. Uh, the sales have been great this year. Uh, we're off to a good start. So you can get those at physicallyfit.com. They're called chicken snacks. We also have Snack Smart uh, crispy protein bites that are plant protein, organic plant protein. So we have a choice. You can pick the chicken or the plant protein. Yeah, so uh, what's the impetus behind starting this 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 brand? I just wanted to go into business, have a business that I could run while I was retired. Uh, I've been in a supplement business for about 10 years. We were selling a we are selling fiber product called Fiber DX uh, at, at Barn Dad Nutrition, my other company, and um, I got into the business and uh, became mesmerized by it and uh, wanted to continue on. So we started doing these brand new snacks that are, that are really incredible, and they've they've done really well so far. One thing I like about the website, when you say physicallyfit.com, it is exactly how it's spelled. You're not missing any letters. It's not spelled funny. Physicallyfit.com makes it real easy. I was like, what was that? I had to go back and listen. Physically fit. Oh, that's it. There it is. So uh, that's one thing you definitely got on the marketing side is you spelled the website correctly. Yeah, we actually did. And I'm not a good speller. (laughs) 
Well, that, that's an interesting segue because I want to go back to, uh, to just growing up in Western PA real quick. One of my college buddies went to Mount Lebanon and he talked about, uh, remember you wrestling was he was growing up. It's like, oh yeah, Kurt Angle, Kurt Angle, Kurt Angle. And then uh, the decision to, to, to go to Clarion. Uh, I, I don't think that's a story that, that gets talked about uh, enough. You know, I mean, your, your professional wrestling career for the last, you know, two and a half decades has been on the forefront. But talk a little bit about the decision to go from, from, uh, from Mount Lebo to Clarion. Well, uh, you know, when I got recruited out of high school, I, I wasn't recruited heavily. I didn't want to stay title till my senior year, but I had some really lucrative colleges that wanted to offer me a full scholarship. In particular, Oklahoma State, who won three NCAA titles while I was in college. Uh, they offered me a full scholarship. Uh, North Carolina, North Carolina State, Pitt. Um, I had, uh, I think, uh, Iowa State and uh, – I also had Clarion. And the thing is, I went up, I did a recruiting trip at Clarion. I went up, it was a very small school, beautiful campus. And I I went to the match that night. It was Clarion versus Pitt. And there were 4,500 people in this little tiny gym. And there was a rock band behind the wrestlers playing rock music. And I was like, holy crap, I'm coming here. <laughs> it was just, the electricity in the air, this program was so renowned at Clarion. The year before, they were third in the nation, undefeated uh, in Division One, And uh, they, they had a run for the national title. They just had a really bad NCAA tournament. They had uh, nine guys that were uh, expected to be All-Americans out of 10 weight classes. And that year, they had a really bad year. Not one guy was All-American. They could have won the national title that year. That's how good they were. They beat Oklahoma State. They beat Penn State uh, in the dual meets, and uh, they they were phenomenal. And the, this program was on fire uh, when when I got recruited there. So, um, you know, I, I knew I wanted to be either a business major or education major, and they had both pro- good programs for both. So I thought, why not stay near home so my family can watch me wrestle? Why do I have to go all the way to Oklahoma to win a national title? I, I knew that wasn't the, the case. And at the same time, I had Foxcatcher that was four hours away. So anytime I need to train with uh, world-class athletes uh, that, that would make me better uh, than I was at Clarion, my coach at Clarion would let me go down to Foxcatcher and train for a week. And uh, it, it was phenomenal. I, I had a great situation laid out for me uh, by being close to home. And I also had uh, Bruce uh, Baumgartner an hour and a half up the road. He was an Olympian with me. He wrestled heavyweight. I was light heavyweight. So I had a a, a great training partner right there. So uh, I didn't have to go far from home to get what I needed. And that was the reason why I stayed close to home. What's it like wrestling Big Bruce? Because he is still a gargantuan human being. (laughs) You know what? Other guys in my weight class did a lot better with him. Uh, there were guys that could beat him some days. Uh, not, not a lot of times. Bruce was a dominating character. Uh, but, but there were guys in my weight class that could, you know, handle Bruce at certain times. I couldn't because I was very undersized. I wrestled at 220, but I weighed 205. I didn't cut weight to make weight. I was already... Uh, underweight, 15 pounds underweight. I could have went to 198, but I chose not to because I didn't like cutting weight. I didn't believe in it. I knew that it would exert my energy. Um, I would have to starve myself. 
I'd have to cut weight, spend half my time training, cutting weight. I didn't want to do that. So I decided that um, I was going to stay at 220. And, um, you know, wrestling Bruce, he was just too big. He was over 300 pounds, and uh, he was just too powerful for me. Uh, but there were some guys in my weight class that did really well against him. Well, and you mentioned quite frequently when you talk about winning the Olympic gold with a broken freaking neck is is the injuries you had to go through, <laughs> the, the the shots you had to get, basically the recovery. If you're cutting weight, your body doesn't recover as quickly as if, if it does if you're on full feed. Do you think that that played a role in you being able to recover to win those matches? Oh, without a doubt. I, I wouldn't have recovered as quickly as I did. You're absolutely right. The weight cutting would have ruined everything. You brought up Foxcatcher, and that's one thing I did want to touch on real quick is all that happens during the Olympic year. But the documentaries that come out, the films that come out, that, that brought a lot of people back to a dark time in January of 96. I had not yet discovered really what international wrestling was. The first Olympics I watched was when you and, and, and Kendall and such won medals in Atlanta. I watched it from from a hospital waiting room. Uh, with my teammates, and I heard about Dave Schultz. Didn't know about Dave Schultz, and then now everything's coming back out. We've got we've got a, a feature film called Foxcatcher, Mark Schultz's book. We've got Nancy's documentary, ESPN Thirty for Thirty. When all that stuff comes back out a couple years ago, uh, how, how did you take it? How did you react to to that that story being back in the news again? It left a bitter taste in my mouth. Um, losing Dave was one of the toughest things I've ever went through. Uh, he was not just a wrestler. He was an incredible coach and an amazing human being, great husband and great father, great friend. And he taught me more than you could ever imagine about amateur wrestling. Um, I, I, I had a hard time dealing with that, but the crazy thing is Dave taught me enough at that particular time up until then that I knew what I had to do to continue on. I knew that I didn't need Dave anymore although I could always use his help. There's no doubt about that. But he taught me enough at that particular time, I could take control of the steering wheel and carry myself to the promised land uh, all by myself. So if it wasn't for Dave, I wouldn't be where I am today. How many of those did you watch? Did you kind of peruse them or did you watch them all? I watched all of them. I, I loved them. Um, there were a couple of things that were a little shady that, you know, that was more uh, Hollywoodized. <laughs> You know, uh, like uh, I know that John's mother wasn't alive when he started Foxcatcher. She was in the movie while he was running Foxcatcher, which wasn't true. They had like a weird innuendo of, you know, Mark Schultz might have been gay with John uh, with uh, with the hair, you know, dyeing his hair and uh, making him look intimate. There, there were a few things that weren't true that they were just trying to uh, make it juicy. And I understand that, but uh, it's, you know, for the most part, 95% of it was dead on right. Been talking with Kurt Angle, 95 world champ, 96 Olympic champ, multiple time world champion in the world of professional wrestling member, 16 halls of fame, man. How, how do you, how, are there 16 wrestling halls of fame? I, I saw that number and that just kind of baffled me. I know of like three. <laughs> well, I'm talking, um, West Pennsylvania Hall of Fame, Pennsylvania Hall of Fame, National Wrestling Hall of Fame, Dan Gable Hall of Fame, uh, New York Hall of Fame, uh, International Hall of Fame. There are a bunch. Uh, Memphis Wrestling Hall of Fame, WWE Hall of Fame, TNA Hall of Fame. I can't remember all of them, but there are 16. It's, it's quite impressive. And, and as, as we wrap up here, uh, what, what is your, your relationship with, you know, again, let's, let's say the amateur wrestling community uh, today? It's good. I mean, you know, I, I keep in touch with uh, 
certain individuals, my old coach from college, um, he keeps me updated on what's going on. I, I get updates. I follow high school wrestling around the area. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of fun to do that for me because now I just get to sit back and relax and watch others compete against each other. I don't have to do all the work anymore. <laughs> Is it is it possible for you to go anywhere, get recognized, and not hear somebody say it's damn true or a broken freaking neck? It's almost impossible. <laughs> <laughs> Happens all the time. I'll be walking down the road and somebody will scream, I want to go medal with a broken freaking neck. <laughs> Oh, it's 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 just it's it's comical on one end, and it's also cool to see because as as a kid growing up watching professional wrestling, who then discovered you know high school, college, and and Olympic level wrestling as a result of that, uh, it, it's been cool to see. It's been cool to catch up. It's been cool to hear your story and your perspective on on what Gable Stevenson's going to expect, what you went through, and uh, anything else you got for us at Real Kurt Angle. No, that's it. Just uh, you know, you can go to my website, KurtAnglebrand.com. I have a lot of merchandise that's very affordable, uh, cowboy hats, bill cartons, birthday cards, autograph photos, T-shirts, cameo voice messages. There's a bunch of stuff there. Go look at it. And, uh, you know, it is really affordable. I, I kept the prices very low for my loyal fans. I just want to know, is the Kurt Angle crossover singlet still available? <laughs> no. And uh, unfortunately, the, the company that did that for me, uh, that was a that was a really quick mock up. Uh, it, it was it didn't fit right. Um, they didn't understand the concept. They didn't want to cross it over. They wanted to sew it so it looked crossed over, and it was really baggy. It was just the worst singlet ever, and uh, it, it didn't sell very well. And I don't blame the the, the amateur wrestlers for not buying it. <laughs> yeah, they're the old goldwrestler dot com days. I remember actually the only person yeah. I ever saw wear it in competition is was John Saritas, who's the head coach at Cal Poly now. So if you ever run into any uh, NCAA wrestling coaches in, in Cal Poly, yeah, he 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 actually wore it. I actually saw him wear it when he was in high school. So I'm gonna say thank you for buying the only Kurt Angle singlet that was sold. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kurt, I appreciate the time and good luck to you the rest of the way. Again, the snacks at physicallyfit.com. Thank you, my friend. The Short Time Wrestling Podcast is proudly outfitted by Compound Sportswear. Shirts, singlets, custom gear orders, everything you need. Call up Cliff and the crew at cmpteamwear.com. Hey, you know what? Did you like the show? You want to hit that subscribe button? MattTalkOnline.com slash listen. Various different ways to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcatcher of choice. And if you're already subscribed, you're already listening, you love the show, and you want to support this show and this network, MattTalkOnline.com slash join the team. Become a team member today.